Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Bitcoin Blueprint podcast with your host, Stefan. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today as we take another step down the Bitcoin rabbit hole to explore the fundamental concepts and themes that are associated to Bitcoin. Now, if you listen to this show before, you know that my goal here is to break down fundamental concepts in Bitcoin and make them easy for everybody to digest and understand. And today is a continuation of that series where we will be looking at an oftentimes controversial topic, and that is about blockchain technology and its use cases outside of Bitcoin, if there are any at all. And as you can see by the title of this show, it is titled Bitcoin, Not Blockchain. And I'll explain why. But the first thing that I want to talk about is a lot of times in this space, you have people, especially a lot of big financial heads in the world of uh, Jamie Dimon or you know guys like that who say, or even friends, you may have heard this saying before, where they say, you know, I really don't know if I believe in Bitcoin, but the underlying blockchain technology is very promising. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've heard that before where people kind of throw Bitcoin to the side, but say, you know what? The blockchain technology could be very innovative and could change a lot of things. And there's a good chance that people who say that are people who don't really understand either Bitcoin or blockchain technology. Now, don't get me wrong. It could be very overwhelming given the complexity and the sheer amount of projects that are kind of existent in the space to filter the signal from the noise. But in today's episode, it is my goal to do that and to give you a bit more insight on why I personally believe that it is Bitcoin, not blockchain, rather than the other way around. And to do this, we first have to look at the innovation of blockchain technology and what it actually delivered to the world. Now, if you go back to previous episodes, or I believe it was the second episode in this series, I talk about the fundamental technological concepts that you need to know as it relates to Bitcoin, and blockchain is one of those. But for those who haven't listened to that episode, a blockchain is essentially just a digital ledger that links the past to the present. In the case of Bitcoin, individual blocks record changes to the overall state of Bitcoin ownership within a given time interval. Now, when I'm explaining that, it doesn't really sound like this monumental innovation, right? Because digital ledgers and ledgers as a whole have been around for thousands of years. Um, Of course, I'm referring to ledgers and not digital ledgers, but ledgers have existed for thousands of years and digital ledgers digital ledgers, of course, as well, with the advent of online databases and online technology. But so what is the innovation that blockchain technology really represents then? 
And the innovation that blockchain technology presents is not in its ledger technology, but rather that a blockchain is publicly verifiable and decentralized, meaning that it can be downloaded by anybody. And the innovation that this brings is that a blockchain eliminates the need to trust a third party. And the only possible use cases for a blockchain are in the avenues where then removing a third party intermediary is of such paramount value to the end users that it justifies the increased cost and lost efficiency. Because when it comes to a blockchain, inherently a blockchain is not very fast or efficient. In fact, it is a very cumbersome system. And that's why, as I've discussed in previous episodes, Bitcoin gets a lot of critique for saying that it can only process a certain amount of data and that it's not very efficient and all that stuff. But that's because a blockchain is inherently designed to be cumbersome. It's And, and the reason why it is is because otherwise you wouldn't have this decentralized aspect to it because everybody needs to be able to download the blockchain. Everybody needs to be able to verify the data on the blockchain. And that is inherently a pretty cumbersome process. And so we have a lot of cases where databases are controlled by centralized third parties or multiple third parties. And that's not inherently a bad thing because it allows for a lot of efficiencies, and it allows for easy and efficient data transfer. And so it's not inherently bad to have a database or a ledger being controlled by a third party. The use case where it is of paramount value to remove a third party intermediary is in the case of money. And let's take a deeper look into that. Because blockchain technology was invented by Satoshi Nakamoto when he released Bitcoin in 2008. Now, Satoshi Nakamoto didn't set out to invent blockchain technology and then find a use case for it. What Satoshi did is he wanted to solve the problem of money. He wanted to create a money that was outside the hand of any third party or intermediary, whether that be a nation state, whether that be a company, you name it. Satoshi, the, in, the goal of Bitcoin was to create a money that no single person or entity controlled, where its issuance and supply was set and where there couldn't be any tampering. And as a byproduct of that, blockchain was created to solve this digital cash problem. Again, Satoshi to set out to create a peer-to-peer digital cash system without the need for a trusted third party. And blockchain was a critical part of that solution. Because when we look at what Bitcoin represents, right? If we strip away the trappings of decentralization, proof of work verification, mining, and trustlessness, and run a centralized version of Bitcoin, 
it would essentially consist of an algorithm for generating coins and a database for coin ownership that processes a certain amount of transactions. And inherently, such tasks are fairly trivial, and really any modern personal computer could perform them reliably. But in order to make such a trivial software system run without requiring trust in any single party to defraud the record of transactions or alter the rate of currency issuance, the only design that anyone has found is Bitcoin's decentralized peer-to-peer network with proof-of-work verification. And so it's not the currency and its transactions that require so much processing power, but making the entire system trustless does. Now, I can understand that for a lot of people, this concept might be a bit foreign and it might be a bit confusing to understand, you know, really what's, why in this case, Bitcoin is the only, I guess, real application for blockchain technology. And so if we go back again to, you know, a blockchain being a database that is decentralized, and that is controlled by no single entity, but rather a bunch of peers in the network, you still have to incentivize people, so distributed nodes or miners in this case, to secure the network, because if the network isn't distributed and secure, then a blockchain is inherently weak and can be exposed to a lot of security flaws. And consequently, if a blockchain is controlled still by a few major nodes or a lot of the mining power or control of the network is in the hands of a few centralized parties, then again, it defeats the whole purpose of a blockchain. Now the question is, well, how do you keep a blockchain secure? And how do you create an incentive for individuals because there is again no company that backs it or has a specific interest in the success of the blockchain how do you then ensure or create an incentive system where the blockchain becomes distributed and secure without needing this intermediary and in this case really all any blockchain can offer in return for the security, is a monetary asset, which is native to the network. Because the blockchain doesn't have any enforceable claims outside of the network. So really, a blockchain can only be useful in connection to the application of money. Because without a native currency, a blockchain must rely on trust for security, which eliminates the need for a blockchain in the first place. So in this case, as it relates to Bitcoin, and we discussed this in the episode on mining, you have Bitcoin miners who expend computing power and you know pay energy bills to obtain this computing power to keep the network secure and mine new blocks. But say there wasn't an asset that is native to the blockchain, there would really be no incentive for them to mine and secure the network. 
because they would be getting no financial incentive in return. It is only because Bitcoin miners, if they successfully mine a block, receive a certain amount of Bitcoin, that they are actually incentivized to mine Bitcoin because they have the potential financial rewards there. And if Bitcoin were not valued as money, there would be no miners. And without miners, there would be no chain worth protecting because the value of the currency ultimately protects the chain and the immutability of the chain is foundational to the currency having value. So in this way, it's really an inherently self-reinforcing relationship. Now, to summarize that, a blockchain is only useful in the application of money because it is dependent on a native currency for security. And a lot of people might listen to that and say, okay, that's great. But couldn't there be a lot of monies that you know use blockchain technology to create a money that people can use? And in my opinion, the answer to that is no. And I'll tell you why. It is because monetary systems converge on one medium because their utility is liquidity rather than consumption or production. And liquidity consolidates around the most secure long-term store of value. Think about it. It would be irrational to store wealth in something that is less secure and less liquid than something which is more secure and more liquid. So the aggregate's implication is that really only one blockchain is viable and ultimately necessary. Every other cryptocurrency is competing for the identical use case as Bitcoin, which is that of money. And some realize it, while others do not, but value continu continues to consolidate around Bitcoin because it is the most secure blockchain by orders of magnitude and all are competing for the same use cases. And I'm quoting from an article in, uh, made by Parker Lewis called Bitcoin Not Blockchain, which is where I drew a lot of the research for this podcast from, as well as Saifedean's Bitcoin Standard. But in this article, Parker Lewis states, find me a cryptocurrency that comes close to Bitcoin relative to security, liquidity, or credibility of its monetary properties, and I will find you a unicorn. So that's all to say that if the really only application for Bitcoin is money, and money tends to converge to one medium, then logically, it would make sense that Bitcoin is really the only true use case for blockchain technology. And listen, I'm open-minded. I'm open to, you know, discovering new things. And I also have, when I started my Bitcoin journey, I actually wasn't just a pure Bitcoiner. You know, I was also buying a bunch of the alternative currencies, 
I was buying Ethereum, I was buying other stuff. And the more that I researched on Bitcoin, the more I came to realize that they're really, in the words of Michael Saylor, there is no second best. It really is, in my opinion, winner takes all. And I leave it open to everybody's own opinion and judgment. You know, I think it's important for everybody to come to their own conclusions on this matter. But I have rarely met someone who is truly, truly versed and studied in Bitcoin that also owns a host of other alternative currencies. And so my recommendation to most people who are, you know, entering this space is don't start by studying blockchain and its potential use cases. Start with studying Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the original reason that blockchain was invented in the first place. Again, Satoshi Nakamoto founded Bitcoin and blockchain technology, but he founded blockchain technology to solve or to create Bitcoin and solve the digital cash problem. So I really urge you all, and there's a lot of great resources. Um, I really recommend everybody start with reading the Bitcoin Standard, which is a really, really good book that lays a lot of the groundwork for Bitcoin from a technology perspective, but also from an economic perspective. And then make your own judgments. You know, if you think there are a lot of people who think that an Ethereum or other alternative currencies have utility for the future. Again, in my opinion, I only say what I do. You know, I don't speculate on those other currencies, but it's a free market. You are more than welcome to, you know, do your own research and come to your own conclusions. But I'll close with saying this. To me, really, it's no wonder that after 15 years, after its invention, blockchain technology has not yet managed to break through in a successful ready-for-market commercial application other than the one which it was specifically designed for, which is Bitcoin. Again, do your own research. Um, I'd be more than open if any of you listen to this and want to refute my points here. I'm always open to feedback. But as I, as I say, you know, this comes from hundreds, if not thousands of hours of studying Bitcoin and blockchain technology. That being said, I hope through this episode, I was able to shine some more light on what exactly blockchain technology is and what its use case really is, in this case, money. And just give a bit more, you know, insight to the overall blockchain conversation. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening and until next time.